Well, thanks, worship team, and good morning, Brookside. Uh, we want to go ahead and continue worship by um, inviting the host team to come up and uh, pass out our morning offering. As those baskets are going around, I've got a few announcements. I want to keep you in the loop of some things going on here at Brookside. First of all, as you know, last week marked our fall launch, which was really exciting, but it's even more exciting because it also matches or marks uh, the launch of our 30th year in ministry here at Brookside. Very exciting. So uh, that being the case, you're actually going to receive a card as you leave today that's basically a, an invite, if you will, to our uh, 30th birthday party here uh, on October 19th. So mark your calendars for that. And over the years, Brookside's really been all about the people. So we want to celebrate your stories and what's going on um, at, when your time here at Brookside. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about uh, I Spy a Brooksider. So what we want you to be thinking about this week and maybe reporting on to us uh, is, is there a Brooksider or so, a volunteer or someone that maybe impacted your life spiritually here? So maybe that's an Awana leader or a life group leader or someone that's impacted you spiritually. So you can actually go to our uh, homepage, the homepage of our website. There's a tab marked My Story, and you can click that tab, tell your story. Uh, we want to celebrate those stories with you at our party. So October 19th, mark your calendars. Uh, something else you'll want to mark your calendars for is our Courtside Connect coming up here on the 18th. So if you've been thinking about getting involved in a life group and you just haven't taken the plunge yet, and you're ready to get started there and get connected, that will be offered after each service Again, on the 18th. So after the service, you'll head out um, uh, out here, out front, and there will be a connection, and you'll be able to join a life group. Uh, something else that our fall programming uh, offers is an adult education courses. So uh, whether that is uh, on Sunday morning or you want to attend one of those classes at uh, various days and times during the week, that will be offered. If you want more information on those different classes, you can certainly pick up a brochure, learn a little bit more. Those are on the uh, feature table upstairs in the up, upper, lo up, upper lobby, if I can say that. Uh, so you can grab those today on your way out. Uh, that will start uh, the day or right after Labor Day. So coming up here pretty quick. Uh, next, we also have, uh, as you might have recognized from our South Ward and In song, a lot of new faces here at Brookside, which we're really excited about. And we want to make sure that if you're a new face, you are able to connect um, get some questions answered, sort of get oriented overall to Brookside. So you can do that after each service. Um, in fact, today you can head upstairs, uh, right upstairs, that first room. Uh, you'll be able to have sort of 15-minute sort of meet and greet chat. It's a quick meeting um, just to kind of get to know uh, what's going on here at Brookside. Get your questions answered. Now, if you have children in the Children's Programming Center, uh, and you want to go to that meeting, you want to make sure and take a quick stop over there, let someone at the Kids Guest Central know that you are, in fact, coming back for your child. You're just going over to the meeting for, real briefly for that 15 minutes. So um, that is available to you after the services. Um, now, next week, as I mentioned, it is Labor Day weekend. And so that being the case, we will not have um, children's programming from K through 8th grade, so you'll want to plan accordingly for that. We will have nursery and preschool programming going on still, so that will be available to you. And that kind of wraps it up, so we want to invite Steve to come on up. He's going to be walking us through, uh, or we're going to head back into Ephesians and go through our Masterpiece series. Thanks. 
Wow, that was a, a lot for Emily to unpack for us this morning, and a lot going on, and um, thanks. Uh, I thought it would be really good this morning to just spend a minute uh, talking about the E37 challenge. Great. Oh, yes, that's right. forgot about that. Uh, good. Glad somebody remembered. Uh, if you, do you all remember the E37 based on Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7? Paul wrote, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So that's the basis, and that challenge had three parts to it. First of all, to begin praying for somebody that you know is not a believer, and begin praying for them. Second, to prepare yourself, and to prepare yourself by writing a, a testimony of your own spiritual journey, and to share that testimony, practice it with someone who is a believer. You can do it in your life group or with somebody else. And third, that you would then uh, actually present the gospel. You would share the gospel by thanksgiving with this person that you've been, you've been praying with. So you build a relationship with them, keep, keep doing that, even maybe accelerate it, and then, and then pray for God to guide you, give you the opportunity to share your faith and do that. So I thought nothing better than an example of someone who has already done that. And so... I, I heard uh, through her dad what Emma did, and so we let Dan come up here this morning. Uh, but Emma Holmes, and I'm just going to let you just tell everybody what you did that Sunday that I gave that sermon, all right? Well, I've got a good friend named Shelby, and we've been friends for years. She's been through a lot in this past year. She has a really bad cancer, and her parents got divorced when she was diagnosed with cancer. And sometimes people made fun of her because she had no hair and she just looked different. She's just so positive and inspirational, though. She always has a smile on her face. She's such a sweet, bright, and kind girl. I had cancer when I was younger, so I know what she's going through. I think God wants me to be a close friend to her and encourage her because we have a lot in common. Shelby came to Iwana a few years ago, and I've invited her to church a few other times. I've talked with Shelby about Jesus in the past, and she said, she knew the Lord and asked him into her life. But another time after that, she said, Emma, I don't really get the whole Jesus concept. When I heard that, the Lord spoke to me, and I really wanted her to know and understand it. Even though I wanted to talk to her about it, I was scared, and I didn't know what to say. The morning that Pastor Steve gave us this, gave us this challenge, I started thinking about Shelby again. So that day when I got home, I called her on the phone and asked her if she still wanted to learn about Jesus. And she told me that she sort of understood it now. But she also thanked me for thinking about her and concern, and thinking of her and being concerned for me, for her, for that. That made me feel like God had worked in her life to help her understand. I really wanted to share more with her so that she could really have a personal relationship with God. I'm going to try to talk to her more and maybe do a Bible study together so that we can really dive deeper about what it means to follow Jesus. So I'm going to try to bring God into her life and hope that he turns into her precious father. I hope that all of you can do the same thing I did and keep praying for someone and that you will take an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. That's great. I just love that. Thanks so much. All right? Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. Thanks so much, Emma. All right. And you too, Dan. Come on up. I mean, is that awesome? I mean... That, um, that's, what, uh, that's what motivates me big time, you know, 
someone hearing it and applying it right away and, and doing it with so much love uh, for a friend. Well, you know what? You know what's fun is when you're, you, you think you're going to preach a, a sermon on 16 verses, uh, which is in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. So you come into the office on Monday morning and you sit down and you, you start, you know, you continue working on what you'd, you'd started and, 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 and then the Spirit of God stops you in the first two verses. And that ends up being all, all that we're going to talk about this morning. It's the first two verses in Ephesians. I, I, that, that's one of those God, you know, every week is a God time in preparing sermons, but it really becomes pretty evident when something like that happens. So I'd, I'd like to begin today by asking you a question. And I, I, I personally think it's the most important question we could ask ourselves or we could ask of, of one another. Most important question. Because, because what it really does is it, it determines the whole course of our life. It impacts who we are each day, uh, our attitudes, our actions, what we think, say, and do it. It, 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 determines, it, it really determines what we value, how we prioritize the, the time and the resources and the abilities that, and, and opportunities that, that life gives us. And, and, and I would also say that it guides us in what we want to achieve over a lifetime. So where we would, you know, five years from now and 10 years, we'd look ahead and what it is that we would hope to be able to look back and, and say that we we had achieved that. It even influences how we prepare for eternity. Knowing that really our, our life on earth is just the beginning of, of, our, of our eternal life. And, and, and God really intends this life that we have on this earth as, as a place where you and I can, can really begin to prepare ourselves for what we've got ahead forever and eternity. So undoubtedly, this is, is an immensely significant question for us to ask ourselves, and, and, and here's the question. What do you desire more than anything else in your life? I mean, passionately desire. What is it? What is it you desire more than anything else? What is it that you desire for every person who's a part of this church, part of Brookside? It's the answer to this question that we're going to talk about today as we Step into the fourth chapter of Ephesians. In fact, it, it, it's, it's, it's what's going to guide us all the way through the rest of, of this book in these next several weeks. Now, the thing to understand is, and this is why I was going to actually preach all of them, is that the, the first 16 verses of chapter 4 are pivotal in, in the book of Ephesians. They, they, they began the application of the truth of the first three chapters, specifically Specifically, they show us how you and I can move from spiritual infancy to maturity. Now, I think I need to say this so we all understand that this is for all of us, okay? And for those of us who have been Christians for many, many years, it's, it's for everybody. Because here's the deal about, about spiritual maturity. It's not a matter of the length of time, the length of years, it's possible for a person to be a Christian for many years and still be spiritually immature. And it's also possible for someone to be a Christian for a short period of time and be showing significant 
you know, significant marks or indicators that, man, they're really, they're really growing. They're, they're growing up spiritually. And, and it all comes down, it all comes down to what we do with what we know to be true. And so I got to tell everybody this morning, um, we saw a lot of spiritual maturity in Emma. Yeah? She heard the truth of God's word and she applied it to her life. That's, that's what we're talking about when we talk about being spiritually mature. And I got to tell you, I had, I had one of those thank you Jesus moments during Jeff's sermon last Sunday. And actually, honestly, I have them every Sunday Jeff preaches. But here's why, here's why I had that moment last Sunday. Jeff, Jeff made a statement and he didn't know he was doing this for me. But he made a statement that, that really is as, is as good as it can get in terms of summarizing all of what the passage talks about that we're going to look at t- today and, and again next Sunday. It's spot on to what Paul's emphasizing. And not only does it summarize the first 16 verses of chapter 4, it points us to to what I'm praying all of us will be convinced is, is, is the answer, the best answer we could give to the question that I asked here a minute ago. So what, what did Jeff say that got me to having my own private worship moment last Sunday? What did he say? Well, if you remember, his sermon was on our mission as a church leading people toward passion for God and compassion for people, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving other people as we love ourselves. He, he, he talked about this mission and, and with it the three priorities that rise to the top to get us there. Do you remember, remember what they are, they are? Sunday morning, worship, life groups, and, and serving. And he compared them to, <clears throat> to vehicles that get us to our get us to our destination, that move us toward fulfilling our mission. That's, that's why we had the three great-looking Corvettes out there uh, to help us remember what we're talking about, what our three priorities are. And, you know, you've all been thinking that the paved-the-way money's been going toward the building. Actually, one of those Corvettes. But anyway... Um, <laughs> Hope you can joke with me on that. So, so Jeff's preaching, and he's and he and he's talking about the third priority, the priority of, of serving, right? And he makes this statement with all of his dark intensity. You know, his eyes, you know, dark, and and he says, you know, here's why serving's so important. It's it's one of the best ways for Christ to be formed in us. And I. Hear Jeff say that, and I say to myself, that's it. That's exactly what Paul's saying. He's, he's showing us that, that serving is one of the most effective, one of the most powerful ways for the character of Christ to be formed in each one of us. And that's the message of this passage, and it's a key thing to remember. And what we're going to unpack today and again next Sunday. And here's why. Here's why this is so important. And how it connects to the question that I asked you to answer for yourself. It, it, it points to what you and I should desire more than anything else in our life. And not only for ourselves, but for, for the person sitting next to you, for every single one of us who are part of this church. It's for the character of Jesus Christ to be fully formed in us. It's for us to be like Jesus. I tell you what, everybody, live with this focus. And it will impact the kind of person you are each day. It, 
it, it, it will determine what it is that you value the most. It, it, it really will influence you in preparing for eternity and, and, and what it is that you hope to achieve over a lifetime. So there's, there's really two questions that this passage answers for us. First of all, what you and I should desire more than anything else in our life to be like Jesus and what is one of the most powerful and effective ways for this to happen. So, so let's dig in and we're going to begin with the first question and its answer and I'd like to frame it this way. And you, this is what you might want to write down, okay? Jesus is the perfect masterpiece. We're called to be copies of the original and there isn't any higher calling than this. All right, let me just say it again. Jesus is a perfect masterpiece. We're called to be copies of the original and there isn't any higher calling than this. Throughout this series, we've been calling ourselves God's masterpiece and it's not something that I made up like I thought, oh, that'd be kind of nice if we could be that it's it's based on God's word. It's based on Ephesians chapter two verses eight, nine, and ten that I've actually been asking you to memorize. And so, over the weekend, Friday night and Saturday, we had a great man up event. And I got to tell you, I, I wish everybody would have been there after uh, hearing the speaker. It was it was awesome time. Did a great job. I love to have the guy come back again. So I asked a couple of guys there yesterday if they would say those verses for us. So I got Pete Sorotkin to do it first service. So Pete, you want to, wherever you are, you want to just stand and, and, right? Yo. All right. I can't see you, but just speak. Ephesians 2. Oh, there you go. Sorry. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. All right. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, or masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thanks, Pete. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this straight, all right? I, I wasn't kidding when I was asking you to memorize those verses. Okay? I mean... My goodness, it's just, it is so important to get God's word in our lives. So I'm going to, I'm going to just challenge you again this morning. If you haven't even, you know, we handed out those cards. If you haven't done anything with that, my goodness, go for it. All right. Uh, memorizing God's word is so powerful. So I, you know, I'm, I might just come up to you some Sunday and say, well, I won't do that. But anyway, all right. So here, here's, here's the deal, everybody. We are, we are God's workmanship. And that is another way of saying that we're, we're God's masterpiece. During his years on earth, Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. And in the truest sense of this word, his life was a masterpiece. He lived what God created us to, to be. And here, here's what's so amazing and why I get so excited about this. Okay? 
What Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, the grace of God in giving His Son to die for us, all of what we've looked at in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, all of that makes it possible for you and me to become copies of the original, for us to be copies of the masterpiece Himself, for us to be like Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, everybody, I'm absolutely convinced there's nothing better than, than that to have in our life. And now as Paul begins... This fourth chapter, he begins to unpack, begins to explain what this masterpiece looks like, what was true for Jesus Christ and what can be true for each one of us. So chapter 4, verse 1, he writes this. As a prisoner for the Lord, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Worthy of the calling you have received. Paul's saying, in, in, in light of what we know to be true about who we are in Christ, this is how we're to live. We're to live a life that is worthy of our calling. The word worthy is just a great choice of words. Great choice of words. And of course it would be. The Holy Spirit gave it to him. And it's a Greek word from which we get the word axiom. And what it means is to balance out. And so, so to really grasp what he's saying, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the scale that I got right over here, right? And I'm, I'm not saying this is exactly like the scale that, that Paul had in mind when he was doing this, but it, it is basically the same, the same idea. And I got this scale from Larry and Leisha Tim. And uh, they have an absolutely beautiful farm out by Springfield um, out here, uh, south of town. And in fact, I went out a couple years ago. I went out and rode the combine. I think they're still called that with Larry um, when he was picking corn. And I got to tell you, it's not like they were when I was a kid. You know, I mean, you could you could wear a suit in one of those things. I think you know. And, I mean, air conditions got computers all over the place. I mean, it just is it's amazing telling you exactly how much corn is coming in when it's coming in. And uh, I mean, so anyway, Alicia's uh, father. Uh, it's kind of an antique, enjoys collecting antiques, and he, this is a, a scale that was used in a high school chemistry class back in the 1900s in uh, uh, um, Trumbull High School in, in oh, what was the name, uh, Donovan, in Donovan, Nebraska here. Anybody know where that is? Anybody been to Donovan? All right, great, okay. Now, anybody in that class back in 1900? <laughs> All right, okay, now. Here's, here, imagine, imagine this, everybody. Imagine putting everything that we have learned from the first three chapters about God's grace in everything that that makes possible in our lives. Imagine putting all of that on this side of the scale, all right? On this side of the scale. And then what Paul is doing is he, he, he takes all of this and then he gets into chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 6 and what he's telling us is that what you and I need to do is that we need to start putting stuff on this side of the scale to balance out all that God's done for us on this side. In other words, what he's saying to us is live up to who you are in Jesus Christ. Live up to who you are. I just love that. See, that's what we're talking about here as we get into these, into these chapters, into these verses today. Now, what he chose first for us to put on this side of the scale, I think is very significant. 
And that's why the Spirit of God just stopped me in verse 2 and said, this far and no further this Sunday, Steve. You got enough right here in verse 2. And what we find is that we're told to put three things on this side of the scale. And and those three, the first one is humility. Uh, The second one is gentleness. And the third one is patience. And, and, And what's so interesting about them is that they all have to do on how we relate to one another as believers, as fellow believers in, in Jesus Christ, okay? So look at, look at this statement, verse 2, verse 2. He writes, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Begins with a quality, that character quality of humility and says that in our relationship with each other, we're to be completely We're to be completely humble. He's talking humble without reservation, without holding back. A a willingness to put others before ourselves all the time. Recognizing that we don't have all the answers, that we don't have everything figured out. He's talking about having a teachable spirit. and, and, And it's also not having to have it our way. Two years ago, the staff spent some good time writing out our core values, core values for how we relate to each other and core values that we hope could be true for everybody, for this whole church. And humility is one of those core values. Now, which, by the way, wasn't valued in the, way, in the world in which Paul lived. And it didn't make any difference whether you were Roman, Greek, or Jew, or whatever. It's, it's more likely that you'd be respected for being proud and, and arrogant and someone who stood strong and stood their ground in getting it their way. <laughs> Which made the next character quality even more challenging for each person receiving Paul's letter. Because Paul went right on and he, he said, he began, he said, be completely humble. And I think that word completely applies to the next word he said, and be completely gentle. Now, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about that word gentle. You know, a tendency that might think, well, that's a kind of a, that's for women. You know, that's one of the things I admire in a woman. She's gentle. But, man, I got to tell you, it's, it's a man thing as, as, as much. This is just not... It's not gender exclusive, okay? For someone to be gentle does not mean in any sense of the word that that, you know, it, it, that there's a weakness to it. Okay? And, and I'm not, like, stick the foot in the mouth there. I didn't mean when I said that, you know, I'm thinking women are weak. We know that's not true. All right. So it means the very opposite, okay, everybody? And here's what you want. You got to write this one down, okay? I mean, it's just so important. Gentleness is strength under control. It's strength under control. I, 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 think, I think one of the best pictures of this is a horse. A horse that, 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 that's been broken to wear a bridle and to have a bit in its mouth and a saddle on its back. And if you've ever ridden a horse, you know what I mean, right? How, how, who's ever, anybody been on a horse in the back of a horse? I mean, you know, right, when you're sitting on that horse, that horse could, there's a lot of power there, and you might think you're in control, but that horse could, in a minute, you can't have you off its back, okay? There's a whole lot of strength under control in a horse. You want to see a horse? I don't know if you remember a few years ago, I think a couple of years ago, I did a sermon where I had a horse here, 
a real live horse. And, and I actually went out and rode that horse at Celeste Stutzman's. It's the last time I, I rode a horse. And if you really want to see a horse under control, that's a horse under control. All right. Yeah. Okay. Now, listen to this. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I have nothing less than the power of God in us. Remember Paul's prayer in chapter 1? He prayed three things, and, and the third one was that you and I might know the incomparably great power of God that's in us. Incomparable. The power of God that, that brought his son from death to life, that raised him into, brought him into heaven, put everything under his control. That kind of power. That's the kind of power that you and I have inside of ourselves. It's, it's incomparable. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Don't miss this. This power is at its best when we're gentle. And we find out a lot about ourselves in terms of our gentleness. When people challenge us or treat us unfairly, how we respond tells a lot about how strong we really are, how much we're living in the power of God. Here's here's what's so remarkable. about Paul putting these two character qualities first, humility and gentleness. And one of, the, one of the few times that Jesus Christ described himself, those are the qualities he chose. Did you know that? I love this. Matthew chapter 11, he's talking about himself. And, and this is what he said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am what? Just say it. Gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The masterpiece, the one we're called to copy. (laughs) During his years on this earth, lived a life of humility and gentleness. And and knowing who he is, is, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's really amazing. If anyone had a reason to exert himself, he had it. I mean, if you're God, it's your right, right? But he didn't, not once, all the way to the cross. And, and here's what this means for each one of us here today who are, who are to copy the masterpiece. Paul tells us in, in Philippians chapter 2, he said, this is what he said, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he, what? Humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Talk about gentleness. Talk about strength under control. I mean, think of all the downright rotten things that were said to Jesus Christ and said about him 
during his years on this earth and, and, and think of what he could have done in response. All those times when, when the religious leaders were spouting off their lies and accusing him of doing things he never did. I mean, like the time, like the time Jesus healed the demon possessed man who was blind and unable to speak. And not only did Jesus release this man from this demon who controlled him, but he gave him his sight and his ability to speak. And what did one of the Pharisees say? Oh, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. It's only by Satan himself that this fellow drives out demons. Can you see this? Jesus could have said, he could have said, I don't think I like what I just heard. I don't think I like that. In fact, I I don't like it so much that I don't think you're going to talk anymore. You know? I mean, he could have done that. In a minute, that guy could have said his last word, you know. Jesus could have retaliated that way. But you know what? He didn't. Never did. All the way to the cross. And it's Peter. It's Peter who shows us what this means for us. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 said this, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. To this you were called, Peter said, because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So we've got humility and we've got gentleness as two qualities to copy from the masterpiece. And then there's this whole thing of of patience. So look at that verse, verse 2 again. He he said this in the last half of the verse. He, He said, be patient, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Um, I gotta, I gotta confess something to all of you. All right. Confession time. Okay. Are you just waiting? Like, well, it's gonna be. I'm the most patient person in the world. No. Okay. Now. All right. It's this. I'm about as hopeless as anybody could possibly be when it comes to anything Mechanical or technical. For example, give me a computer. I've got a computer. Show me how the keyboard works and show me how the mouse works and leave me alone. Don't show me anything else. All right? So John Houston, John who's our you know, go-to guy for all, all things like that, he's explaining how I can do this or I can do that with my computer, and John's excited about it. I mean, he loves that stuff. And I got to tell you, 90% of the time, he's going to have to explain it again and again and again and again and again and again, you know? And even then, I might not get it, okay? I mean, talk about patience. Talk about bearing with me in love. Isn't it true? It takes a lot of patience when you're really good at something. 
work with someone who isn't? When your knowledge and your experience level is way beyond that person? <laughs> That's right. Now, I got to tell you, sometimes you understand what something is by when you've experienced the opposite, right? I, I experienced the opposite of patience when I worked construction in my college days. I still remember, some of you have heard this years ago, I probably told this, uh, when I worked on this golf course, and this golf course also owned a construction company, came to work one morning, and this guy said, you know what, you're not going to work on the golf course anymore, you're going to drive a caterpillar and a truck, and you're going to load fill all day long. And so he took me to this deep pit, and he put me on this caterpillar, this big hunking caterpillar with all these gears and levels, levers and, I mean, you know, you're operating all, and, and he spent, I kid you not, 20 minutes with me. And his expectation was when he left that day that I was not going to make a mistake. I was going to know how to do it. Anybody ever work construction? You know what that's like? Yeah? Uh, nobody, nobody ever worked construction here. All right. Oh, so, okay. You know, and I... Remember he told me to don't put the, you know, got to be real careful with the shovel so it doesn't go down a certain way. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to dig this big dip. And, and then when you raise the shovel up, when it's full of fill, you're going to tip the caterpillar over. Don't you do that, he said. You know? And sure enough, within the first day, I did it. And, and I mean, and, and I, so I, I, I was backing up, and the shovel went up, and the whole caterpillar went forward. And my glasses flew off. And they landed right at the front of the caterpillar. And I, I kid you not, I looked around. First of all, is anybody, anybody watching? And then I crawled to the front of the caterpillar. And I got my glasses and crawled back and eased my way out of my jam. Or, or within the first week, the other thing I did was, as you come up to the truck and you're going to dump the fill dirt into the truck, I got my gears all mixed up. Got confused there for a minute. And I couldn't figure out how to stop the thing. And I was just, have you ever been there where you've just been panicking, you forget? And I almost tipped the truck over, All right? I had the thing on, totally on, on, on two wheels on one side before I, if I and so I, and I backed up and I looked at it. Did anybody see? Because I knew I'd be fired, All right? Fired. Imagine what it was like for Jesus spending time with his disciples. I mean, think about this. He created the universe. He knew absolutely anything, everything there is to know. He was beyond brilliant. Think of the opportunity these men had to see the absolute perfection in how he lived, to see him always responding with such incredible grace and to see him doing miracles beyond anything they imagined possible. And then, and then think of how clearly he explained who he was. And yet they didn't get it. They didn't get who he was. They didn't get why he came, but he never gave up on them. Never did, even after they all ran away from him and when he was arrested and crucified. The truth is, he never gives up on anyone. He's never given up on me. He'll never give up on you. That's the masterpiece in action. And here's what he said about this for each one of us. He said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Be patient. Bearing with each other love. Been feeling impatient with anybody lately? Have 
Have you been impatient with anybody lately? Are you about to give up on them? Guess not. If you want to be a copy, the masterpiece. So we put these three character qualities together, humility and gentleness and patience, and we're given the beginnings, a very clear picture of Jesus and, and, and how he related, related to people. The masterpiece was humble and he was gentle and he was patient. And you know what? That's what we're called to be as his copies. We're called to be like Jesus and how he related and how we relate to each other. We're to be humble and we're to be gentle and we're to be patient. If you put them all together, that's a picture of a servant. This brings us back to where I began this morning, the statement Jeff made last Sunday about about serving. I'm going to say it this way. Serving is one of the most powerful and effective ways for the character of Christ to be formed in us. Not only in ourselves, but in our ability to be used by God to form Christ's character in one another. And it begins with who we are, how we relate to each other. The measure of our humility, our, our willingness to put others before ourselves, where, where, where we truly care for what happens in the spiritual lives of our, of our fellow believers. So that we're willing to give of ourselves in humility and, and where we recognize that we don't have all the answers, where we have a teachable spirit, it's only then that we're going to be able to teach one another if we got that kind of humility. And the measure of our gentleness, our, our kindness in the face of each other's weaknesses, how, how willing we are to accept each other exactly where we are in our spiritual journey. The measure of our patience, not giving up on someone when they don't get it for the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time and the, and the sixth time and on and on, staying with each other as long as the other person is willing to keep trying. I, I told this story years ago, and I don't know if I've repeated it. Way back in the 80s, and the church is very young, a group of us guys went skiing out in Colorado. It was the first time I ever skied in my life, and, and I didn't, honestly didn't want to go. I was just intimidated by the whole thing, and, and you know, I didn't want to make a fool, all that stuff, you know, you go through, and didn't want to break my leg. And, and, uh, but there's this one guy, Randy, just absolutely determined that I was going to go on that ski trip. And he kept after me, and I kept making excuses. And, and in fact, my, my last excuse was, well, I just don't have the money. It's too cost too much. And he said, oh, well, I'll take care of that. And I go, oh, doggone it. You know, and, 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 and so we go. We drive through the night. I was a lot younger back then. Drove through the night, and you get out, get to Colorado and in the morning, and, and you start skiing right away. And, and I was really, I was really very content to be on that first, what do you call that, the one you learn how to ski? I thought, that's good, I'll ski here for three days, you know. And, and then by 11 o'clock, Randy showed up. And he said, come on, time to go. And I was going, no, nah, this made me a little longer. How about this afternoon? So we go up and, and we, you know, the ski lift, and we get to the top, and I get off, and I mean, just getting off the ski lift, that was, that's, 
Let's practice that. So we, we, I get off and I'm, I'm looking down at this mountain that I'm going to go down. I mean, we're only talking green, okay? But that was like, I like green. So, but, but, and, and, and I said, Randy, I don't know. He said, I'll, I'll ski with you all the way down. And Randy was a big guy. And he was a great skier. And he skied all the way down the mountain with me. And every time I fell, and I, I think I counted 30 times. I'm not sure. But every time I fell, I finally got so tired, Randy just picked me up. <laughs> Save time. And, and he, you know, and he just, he just kept me going. He kept me going. And I got to tell you, if at any point Randy would have said to me, you are the most hopeless, you know, I would never learn how to ski. But he served me all the way down that mountain. He served me all the way down that mountain. And by the time I got down to the bottom of that mountain, I knew how to ski. That's how it is with this whole thing of spiritual growth. We need each other. We need others to show us humility and gentleness and patience. And we need to be this for one another. We need to be this for others. We need to serve each other. And if we'll do this, friends, we'll get there. We'll, we'll become spiritually mature. We'll become like Jesus. We'll be copies of the masterpiece. There's nothing better than this. I got to tell you, everyone, this is why I'm so fired up about life group ministry. I'm not, this whole sermon isn't a setup to advertise life groups, so don't misunderstand that. But I believe in them so deeply whether it's a married life group or a men's life group or a women's life group, i got to tell you, there's hardly any better place for us to serve each other this way than in a life group because what it does is it brings you up close to other people where you really just can't hide what you are. If you do it right, it gives us opportunity to be humble and gentle and patient. And so that's why we're doing the thing on Sunday, September 18th, give you an opportunity to get into a life group after both those services. We're going to do it out in the courtyard, and you can, you can be in a life group and try one for eight weeks. And if you don't like it, you can step out. You don't have to do it, but you can experience it. I've got a great group of life group leaders. But I've got to tell you, man, and I'm speaking to the men here because it's a man and women thing in our in our married life groups, it's, it's, I, I recognize it's, it's a shared thing. But I'm looking to the men to be the primary leaders. And I've got to tell you, if you're sitting here today as a man and, and you know you've got some level of spiritual maturity and experience in your life, if you can be humble and you can, you can be gentle and you can be patient with people, I've got to tell you, I need you men. And I need your wives with you. I need you to say, I, you know what? I'm willing to, I'm willing to give one night a week to, to build myself into the lives of, of other couples. I need you. I really do. Because I believe so deeply in the power of what a life group can do in the lives of people. You ever been in one that works right? You know what I mean. You know what I mean. All right. Wow, thanks.
Hope you come back next week, and I think we're going to sing. Are we going to sing? We are going to sing? All right. I got to, you know what, this guy, Rob, did you realize we just sang another new song he wrote this morning? I mean, how do you do that? You know, that is, that's, I, I, I can always tell when Rob's writing a song because the office door is closed to his office and he's flat on the floor. Uh, no, not really. But kind of, right? That's not true.